Um, you know, John asked me to do this. I, I honestly don't know how, how to do what he's asked me to do other than to say this to you. Um, came to Faith in Christ in February of 1979. Uh, my, my, my background is in music. I have a master's degree in composition. I, I'm still a professional piano player. And I was a school teacher for 16 years. And during that time, the Lord called me into full-time ministry. And for 20 years of ministry, I was a worship leader in, in, in a couple of different churches, North Jersey, South Florida. Yes, I moved back to New Jersey from South Florida. <laughs> which shows you one of two things, the depravity of man or the sense of humor of God. <laughs> or some combination of the two. Um, just starting my 17th year uh, as the assistant pastor at Bayside Chapel. But um, I trusted Christ in February of 1979. Uh, in uh, the latter part of the 90s, in the summer of 1998, I was doing my own study of the book of Colossians. And I can remember a question coming into my head that, as best as I can recall, it was something like this. What does it really mean that I'm a Christian? You know, who am I? Kind of, I don't know where it came from. It just was there. And that kind of began a journey. Um, I am not seminary trained, and I'm not proud of that. Um, it just was, happens to be God's, God's path for me. Um, I have to remember that there are times when people will say, Hey, Pastor, when the Bible says this, if I'm not absolutely certain, I need to be humble and say, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Ask Pastor Dave. <laughs> this is why I don't ever want to be a senior pastor. I always want to have somebody I can point them up to. <laughs> guys like you, no. Um, but... Um, the first sermon I ever preached at Bayside Chapel, the founding pastor at that time said, you know, you have a life verse. I said, sure, I'll preach in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Amen. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I think it's really funny that that was the first sermon I preached. I'm still teaching it 17 years later, but from a totally different place of understanding. Um, I am a recovering legalist. Amen. <laughs> now you want to see see what you people have no you just fed my flesh. Thank you very much. <laughs> see because do you remember Sally Field? Remember Sally Field in the Oscars? You like me. You really like me. Um, yeah, I'm a recovery performer. Now I never went to a legalist church. Uh, I was always in churches where the pulpit was very much the gospel. Um, legalism is very subtle it's any time you determine your acceptance with God based on you Thank you. pretty very much um, you know, I like how our pastor Dave you know, he was raised in a different tradition some of you can relate to it I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't go with those who do yeah. you know, that's a very easy form of legalism you can make your Bible really legalistic mm-hmm. no you can't, I've done it it doesn't help very much um, but to make a long story, make a long story short, I remember now what happened was I had begun to understand who I was in Christ uh, in the late 90s, early part of this century. Um, when I came to Bayside Chapel, I had already read a wonderful little book. It's a great introduction for some people. It's called Classic Christianity by Bob George. It's a great introduction to some of these concepts. And I actually taught the book, taught other things too. But um, as I... It, more than anything, I was a student of the scriptures. I still am. Uh, I spent three years teaching Romans. And when you spend that kind of time in a book like Romans, you're not going to be the same. Um, and, uh, you know, so what I have to remind myself of is that First Chronicles 
the first nine chapters is as much the Word of God as Romans is, I just get a lot more application out of Romans. Um, if you're not sure what First Chronicles, the first nine chapters is, it's just a list of who had who and how many there were. <laughs> God's got that in there for a reason. I just can't figure out why. See? And so more than anything, I was affected by that. But in 2005, my senior pastor sat me down with a couple people in the office and said, we have a problem. The ladies have given me an ultimatum. Either you go or they go. I'm the assistant pastor of the church. And, you know, my first inclination was to defend myself. And I immediately called my, my, uh, my mentor. His name was Sam. And, uh, and he said, uh, he could hear it in my voice. What's wrong with you? I told him. He said, under no circumstances do you defend yourself. That's why I said something before. Somebody came up to me. Yeah. See what I'm saying? If you try to defend yourself, what's the point? I like how Neil Anderson says this. If you're wrong, there is no defense. If you're right, you don't need one. And so um, there was great counsel. And the Lord used that as a time of reproof. You all know what reproof is? Reproof is when God shines the light of his truth into a place in there that you didn't even know was a place. See? And he shines the light of truth in there so you can see something that he wants to deal with. That's right. And what he taught me was you are a recovering performer. I, that, those few days when I thought I was going to lose my ministry, and all I, I was not, there was no sin in the sense that we would define sin. It was more of a, you know, I just want to show you how good a pastor I am. And I was driving these two women nuts. Absolutely nuts. I've been driving women nuts all my life, but this, <laughs> that's my wife. But this was, this was something different. And, um, guys, all I can tell you is I went, during those few days, I, could, I went back to my childhood. The Lord took me back to my childhood. Because my old pastor, I went to seek some counsel when he said this, Joe, whenever you were around, you were always a center of attention. Mm-hmm. And I went, ooh. See, I can play the piano. And I can talk. And I can sing. That could be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Because what was I getting from it? Acceptance. Right. You like me. Yeah, you like me. You really like me. So stuff that I knew, I understood who I was in Christ. I taught through Romans. And even though I knew that, there was an aspect that I hadn't applied it to myself. Mm-hmm. Now, John is asking me to talk about this ministry. Ultimately, I came to a deeper understanding of what it means to be in union with Christ. Not I, but Christ. The implications of that lead you and I to a choice. Mm-hmm. Who is going to be in control? Um, I was reading. I'm always studying. I came across the handbook to happiness. I read it and I went, I don't get some of this. I mean, some of those charts for me were like, I'm, a, I'm an artist. Chuck's an engineer. Can you understand why I wouldn't marry somebody like that? I mean, that would just make, you know, I'm, I'm, I read it. So um, when I went to the conference last year, it really filled in a lot of holes for me. And my sabbatical, my first ever sabbatical was last year. Now, Bayside has developed a ministry that takes concepts that we're being exposed to today as well as others and kind of distills them down to help people. All right? But if if, from the standpoint of GFI, John, um, is that GFI helped me understand how to equip other people to understand this. It explained me after some of this stuff that happened, but it also helped me to have a way to help other people. Um, I don't care if you call it the exchange life, the abiding life, the normal Christian life, the Galatians 2.20 life. 
Jesus Christ is the one who has to be in charge. Um, when, when, I, when our senior pastor came, I wanted to know if he understood identity. That was a big thing for me. And I was, I'm, I'm not very subtle. <laughs> Tiny from New Jersey, what do you want? <laughs> so I, I said, uh, Dave, did you ever read Classic Christianity by Bob George? He's like, oh, yeah, great book. Have you ever read Ian Thomas? No. Well, that's where he got it from. So basically, he saw my class of Christianity and raised me in Ian Thomas. The guy's been three steps ahead of me ever since. Um, we've been reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more shall we be saved by his life. Okay? If I asked you, or if you think of this, ask the average Christian, i got to look at my notes now, ask the average Christian, what is the effect on your everyday life of the fact that Jesus died for you? I think they'd be able to come up with a pretty decent list. What, then, would be a list that answered this question? What is the average effect on your life, the daily effect on your life, of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead? And I think that that would be a harder list for people to articulate. Um, you and I, the moment we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we're brought into union with him. One Christian scholar has written that there are 33 divine undertakings of God the minute a person places their faith in Jesus Christ. But we don't know those things. What John is teaching here are those, are those things that we, aren't, uh, we need to understand and know. That ultimately the biggest problem is what? Me. Me. Okay? I, when I teach this, I say, look, we live in a culture that has this message, especially to our kids. Love yourself. Okay? God wants you to hate yourself. Make no mistake about it. Because yourself, is that myself was that part that needed approval from people. And I understood from the gospel that all the approval I ever needed, I already had. There's only one person applauding, and he's applauding with nail pierced hands. Thank you. That's, 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 and that's what gets emphasized, for example, in a book like The Saving Life of Christ. Um, uh, there's also a little devotional, which, John, I think you just made reference to on the webpage, The Indwelling Life of Christ, which is such little devotions by Ian Thomas. Let me give you a quote. The fact that you are a Christian missionary, the fact that you are a Christian pastor or a Christian worker, does not in and of itself make you spiritual or what you do righteous. As far as God is concerned, Christ is the missionary. Christ is the pastor. Christ is the Christian worker. Only what he does is righteous. And what he does is released through you only through your unrelenting dependence on him. Wow. That is faith. And whatever is not a faith is sin. Thank you. What I realize is that my flesh can look real good. It can look real good. Very religious. See, um, GFI, John's encouragement, has been one of a few things, probably the, the first thing for me, John, honestly, to get it more understood, that made me realize what I really have because we're in union with Christ. And um, my dear people, we need a revival. The church needs a revival. I am convinced. We, we know you can't have revival without repentance. So the question is, what does the church need to repent of? Well, the church needs to repent of sin. What sin? The sin of self-reliance. That's right. Okay? The sin of self-reliance at the individual and corporate level. Amen. And you're here for a reason. And so 
um, if, if, if my sharing a little bit with you as a, as a pastor uh, has, if I've made any sense at all, it's just to um, dig deep, drink deeply of this wonderful thing known as the gospel. Okay? Uh, years ago in the 70s, a man named Richard Lovelace wrote a great book called Dynamics of Spiritual Living. Here's what he said. Spiritual life flows out of union with Christ, not merely imitation of Christ. Do you hear the difference right there between faith and works? And when any dimensions of what it means to be in Christ are obscured in the church's understanding, the people of God will not aspire to it. Okay? In other words, we need to be preaching the full gospel. Jesus did much more than just die for us. He is a lot. If you've trusted faith, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you have what Ian Thomas called the indwelling life of Christ. The question is who's in control? I don't want to be in control anymore. And there's great freedom in that. So, okay.